It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. In the fall each year we all congregate The mouth all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of months in Our favorite verse, my God, a freshman Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia faith Ain't nothing finer in the lane Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday and that thing Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast. I'm Herschel Gurley. Boss is out on assignment tonight, but we are pumped up to be joined tonight by Wes Blankenship. Wes is a damn good dog. He is a co-host of the Shock and Ship show, and uh, maybe most importantly, he is the the lead radio announcer in the Coffee Town booth on Friday night. So, Wes, welcome to the program, man. We're happy to have you. What's happening, Herschel Gurley? What a name, man. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming and hanging out. Um, so I guess maybe we should start with this just cause I feel like it was such an injury ravaged weekend, Ugh. um, not only on the football field, but, but also with some unfortunate stuff, um, going on off the field. Uh, awesome, awesome to see about 15 or 20 minutes ago that Richard LeCount sent out some social media posts on Twitter and Instagram, um, just saying that everything's good. So I know that all the dog nation is, is jacked up about that to, to see that he's, healthy and doing okay because i know everybody's worried about that that was a scary situation man i tell you what um the injuries were one thing during that game to watch you know dog after dog on defense go down and uh you know that's just just one of those games man it seems like georgia every once in a while just has one of those where the injuries just happen like in mass in one game and uh we've seen it happen you know, at Tennessee in years past, but uh, yep. this week, I don't know, man. It was just that sleepy kind of noon start, and those always kind of give you that heebie-jeebie kind of vibe. It had nothing to do with the fact that it was Halloween. It was just, here we go, man, SEC road game, noon kickoff, how's Georgia going to handle it? And, you know, on-the-field execution is one thing, but those injuries just kind of piling up made that game a lot more interesting than it needed to be, and and Georgia's defensive depth is going to be tested uh, often against Florida. And I, I think, you know, to, to see Georgia work on the run game, I'm not trying to spin zone this here. I think Georgia absolutely needed to kind of salt away a game running the football because I have no doubt in my mind that's what Kirby Smart is going to want to do against Florida. Um, you, you already saw against an offense like Alabama's, that Georgia just right now does not have that firepower to stack up against it. I think Kirby Smart understands that. Uh, the clamoring for the backup quarterback this season, I just think at this point, Georgia is what it is. Uh, you're going to just have to buckle in, Georgia fans, for for a similar type of game plan against the Gators because they're capable of putting up a lot of points. 
Georgia wants to do everything they can. I, I know they brought in Todd Munkin, and this season just – I think the trajectory just kind of changed when Jamie Newman opted out, and uh, Dwan Mathis just didn't really have the uh, the signal-calling capabilities of getting Georgia's offense and the, the things it needed to be in, the execution – wasn't there against Arkansas and you know the argument is there you know was his leash too short maybe so but I also believe that if he had earned this job back in practice if anyone was better than what Stetson Bennett is giving Georgia right now I think Kirby Smart would absolutely give the reins over to that guy whether it's Dwan Mathis or JT Daniels or Carson Beck and it just isn't there at the moment so just get ready. Georgia is in all-time game preservation mode on offense because they have to keep that Florida offense off the field, especially with the defense as ravaged as it was this past Saturday. And Richard LeCount, possibly the most important injury, um, and it didn't even happen during the game. And reading the uh, reading the report, the accident report of what happened, I am glad that Richard is alive, and yep. that sounds extreme to say that, but when you read the report that he was hit not just by one car crossing traffic, but two cars, and two, it is just terrifying to read it. Honestly, if you yep. if you go back and if you have the ability to actually read that report, um, to see Richard tweet tonight all is well. I mean. My gosh, between that and the the Ole Miss player that was injured at practice today and had to be, you know, helicoptered helicoptered to the hospital, you know, I, I tweeted out it's a good day for some good news because those are some scary injuries. And uh and Georgia, first and foremost, Kirby Smart said it in his press conference today. No matter what caliber of player it is, for a, a Georgia player to go through what Richard LeCount did and be okay. Um, it was a, a scary situation for Georgia on Saturday night, and they are very glad that he's okay. But um, you're you're going to uh, you're going to see some some guys back there in Georgia secondary that is normally held down, nailed down by Richard LeCount. And uh, I think if you're Georgia, you hope that Lewis Seen is is able to go, and and Mark Webb's going to be getting that call as well. Yeah, for me, this now becomes the storyline for the 2020 version of the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. And I think if you looked at this like a, a baseball game, right, it's essentially like Georgia is going to be missing its catcher, its shortstop, and its center fielder on defense. And you don't want to be weak up the middle in baseball, and you certainly don't want to be weak up the middle uh, defensively on the football field. And I don't even I don't even think it's just a talent thing with those three players, uh, w- with Jordan – with Richard and and I'm kind of putting Monty in that in that boat just because he he's going to be he's just limited with the foot I think and look man you play the game on two feet so if your foot hurts it's going to change things a little bit and I think the big thing with all three of them is you could make an argument that they are the three spearheads leadership wise at the three levels of the defense so that's going to be a very interesting thing come Saturday and I that's the matchup to watch right is is it Georgia's defense or is it Florida's high-powered offense which one wins the day and I think as it normally happens it's probably going to be Florida's defense or Georgia's offense making some big game change in play that really sets things out because um, really think about the Alabama game right Alabama's offense outdid Georgia's defense but really it was Alabama's 
sort of malign defense coming into the game, making some plays against Georgia's offense to turn the tide. So I, I'm really interested to see what's going to happen now. I, I have all season thought Georgia would just walk all over them. And obviously this is going to be a little bit different. Wes, don't you feel like every year coming into this game, there's some kind of, I don't know, strife that comes out, whether it's getting dump truck by LSU and there being quarterback controversy in 18, or I just feel like there's always something extra to this game. And, and I don't think this game really needs any extra. It's got plenty of hot sauce as it is, but I feel like there's always a little bit extra juice uh, w- with the storylines. And this year's obviously going to be no different. Um, let me ask you about the quarterback real quick, because this has been kind of a dialogue we've had going back and forth for a few weeks now. Don't you feel like, I know this hasn't just come out and been said blatantly by Kirby, but I mean, JT's not healthy, right? If he was, don't you think he'd be more part of this conversation? It just seems to me like, although he was quote unquote cleared for football, there's something else there happening where he's not really cleared. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? And do you think there's any basis to that? Well, I think that Kirby Smart is a he is responsible for this quarterback position. He's he's responsible for everything that goes on on this team. But with that being said, if you listen to Kirby's press conference today, and, and when I say this, I hope you know if you didn't hear the press conference, you don't hear this as Kirby is like throwing Todd Monken under the bus. When he said this, he was asked to what extent, to what level is Munkin uh, responsible and uh, in control, in charge of what happens at Georgia's quarterback position? And Kirby said today, that is Todd's call. So I think some of the narrative that Kirby is mismanaging this quarterback situation from the fans, I think you know the, the frustration is warranted. I mean, Georgia's a top five program and to find themselves in this quarterback position is not acceptable to see. But you do have to consider the circumstances, okay? Jamie Newman left. He left Georgia with less than a month to go before the season started, and JT Daniels had some sort of setback that is keeping him from playing. I I mean, I I just think it's pretty simple. And, And a lot of people go back and they... They pin, you know, the Justin Fields departure on some gross mismanagement by Kirby Smart. And, you know, I think if Kirby, in hindsight, if you gave him some truth serum, he would tell you, you know, if I knew what I know now, obviously I'd probably go with Justin Fields. But let's go back and not have revisionist history here either. It's not just as simple as to say, you know, well, Jake Fromm had just led Georgia to a national championship. You know, I think that's oversimplifying what was going on that season. Yep. Jake Jake Fromm had a tremendous freshman season, but if not for a magnificent one-handed grab by Terry Godwin at Notre Dame, George is not making that run to the college football playoff. And without two NFL-caliber running backs, Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb, I mean, those guys would have been in the league had they not decided to come back. That's what led Georgia offensively uh, to a national championship run, and, and that's that's not to crap on Jake Fromm. I mean, he stepped up and, and played well when he needed to as a freshman and made some monstrous throws in the national championship. That that throw to Miko Hardman may be like one of his top three throws he made in his career at Georgia. 
So it's not just as simple as to say, well, you know, Justin didn't just, he just didn't get the job because Jake had just led Georgia to a national championship. It's not that simple. I, I just truly think, and this is what I've said time and time again, I, I really do believe, knowing how Kirby Smart operates, if Justin Fields had truly won that job, do you honestly think that Kirby Smart would have been too stubborn to make the change? He's as competitive as it gets. And the game that Fromm had at LSU, there was an off week, and I have no doubt they looked at that position and determined that Justin Fields just wasn't ready. And I've spoken with a private quarterback coach that Justin Fields, and you know that that's just what happened. It's not this conspiracy to keep Justin off the field, and um, I think that's just kind of an unfair assessment. But look. Reality is Kirby Smart is going to be held accountable for that because Justin Fields has become the quarterback that he is. Um, it's just a, a true freshman Justin Fields was never going to beat a sophomore Jake Fromm. Would a true sophomore Justin Fields have beaten a junior Jake Fromm? I think the chances are pretty high that that would have happened, but we'll never know. So here we are, and uh, Justin Fields could be Georgia's quarterback this season. He's not. Uh, Jamie Newman could be Georgia's quarterback right now. He's not. JT Daniels could be healthy right now. He's not. And Georgia just has to live with that and manage it. And the answer is Stetson Bennett. And I really do think if Georgia's defense, even as banged up as it is, it is still more talented than Florida's starting defenses. I think if Georgia's defense plays a sound game, takes Kyle Pitts away. And I know that sounds like a tough task, but that's what Georgia's defenses do. That's what Kirby Smart's defenses do. They find your best player and they do everything they can to shut them down. And if you're going to beat them some other way with some other player, with Tony or whoever else is on the field, then more power to you. But they're going to try to take Pitts away. And if Stetson Bennett can find a way to not turn the ball over, he's going to have to make some explosive plays. And, and we've seen James Cook provide that explosive caliber in Georgia's offense that Todd Munkin wants. Um, if Stetson's able to do that, I still think Georgia has a really good chance to win on Saturday. But we, we, we look at what Todd Munkin wants at this quarterback position. Like I said at the beginning of this answer to your question, it's Todd Munkin's call. And Todd Munkin said in the offseason he wants an athletic quarterback that can move around in the pocket. Quarterback, obviously, that doesn't make mistakes. Stetson Bennett's only checking one of those boxes right now. So if Georgia loses on Saturday, I, I do think they might – I don't know, man. I, I think they might have to take a look at this position if he continues to turn the ball over because his mobility may be one thing, but what else is he bringing you? Uh, I think they've got to see a change in that department. Yeah, I felt like, too, on Saturday, it seemed like the game plan was pretty clear. They wanted to establish the run. And they wanted to shorten that game and, and get the hell back to Athens with a win as quickly as possible. Uh, they, they looked uninterested in doing anything from a fireworks perspective on offense. And it, is that what you want to see as a fan? No, probably not. You want to see them light the scoreboard up and, and blow the doors off Kentucky. But at the end of the day, they won the football game. And I think the plan was probably to do that as expeditiously as possible and obviously do that without all the injuries and the second part of that didn't work out. But, I mean, I, I understood, I think, what the premise was on Saturday was to just get out of Lexington, 
raring and ready to go for the cocktail party. And, you know, it, it remains to be seen what we're going to see on Saturday. Who, who knows? But I still feel like, to your point, talent-wise, not just defensively but offensively, they've got plenty of weapons. And if George can get back and play Saturday and if Kenny can get back and play Saturday – it's a lot of things to like about that Georgia offense. I thought the the offensive line looked as good as it has looked on Saturday and not against a weak defense either. I mean, the Kentucky run defense has been good all season. So I feel good about that. I think there's some good things to take away from it. And, and as usual for a Georgia football season, a Saturday in Jacksonville is a litmus test. And th- this year's certainly going to be no different. So a lot to look forward to, a lot of uncertainty. And, hey, man, that's the excitement about it, right? So – We'll uh we'll wait and see and see what goes on and um yeah hopefully the dogs are are, are rolling come Saturday evening. Uh well hey man let's pick some games I got I got ten games for us to pick this week. Pretty good slate some some rank on rank matchups. Uh, Pac twelve is coming back this week so let's start with uh, BYU going to Boise State on Friday night. BYU is uh, a two and a half point favorite on the blue turf. Who you liking that one, Wes? I'm going to take BYU. Um, I think that's a pretty manageable spread. Um, another road road trip is one thing. That blue turf is always a little intimidating, uh, maybe more so uh, in my my high school days. I remember just how crazy it was for teams to try and go in there and knock uh, teams off on the blue turf. I, I remember LeGarrette Blunt, that fight he got in. Yeah. Um, just some, some really memorable games that kind of – Take me back, but uh, I'm going to take BYU, man. They, they got a, a dynamic offense, and I think they should be able to get it done. So, boss has, has mailed me in his picks. So he's taking he's taking the Broncos on the blue turf, holding holding that home field advantage. Um, my good buddy, who who is known to do some recreational activities, Johnny Junior. Johnny Junior would call this Friday night game a sucker bet. He would say, "Never bet a Thursday or Friday night game." But I love me a good sucker bet. So. Uh, I'm going to take the Storm and Mormons on the road. Uh, we have had them in our lineup like three or four times this season, and I've picked against them every single time, and they've absolutely demolished their opponent when I picked against them. So we're going to try to change the momentum change on that a little up. bit. I'm going I'm to go with the boys from Utah. Um, all right, Saturday at noon, we got uh, Hugh Freeze and Liberty going to Blacksburg to play Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is favored by 14 and a half. Who do you like in that one? The fight and freezes, huh? Uh-huh. Every uh, week we're picking them now. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna say that noon kick. We, we're talking about the noon kickoffs and how sneaky they can be, right? I'm gonna take uh, Liberty. I, I think 14 and a half. I think they make this a little bit more interesting than the Hokies want. So I will say that Liberty doesn't win outright, but I don't think Virginia Tech covers. Yeah, boss is taking the the flames as well. I think I'm rolling with them too. Um, and I'm gonna say this: I think they might win straight up. I mean, I I love them to cover. Um, I I love them to cover as much as Coach Freeze loves a, a late night phone call. But um, <laughs> I, whether or not they win straight up, I don't know. I just I feel like they've got a lot of momentum going right now. I feel like that Tech team's been a little banged yeah. up all year. But they both have the the pension to put up some points, so it could be an exciting noon kick. And to your point, I feel like funky things always happen on the road uh, with a noon kick. So maybe we'll see some some magic in Blacksburg on Saturday. Um, all right, another noon kick in the Big Ten. Maybe the surprise of the young season in the Big Ten. 
Indiana Hoosiers hosting Michigan. Michigan's favored by two and a half on the road, but coming off uh, getting thumped by Mel Tucker, getting his first win as head coach with Michigan State. Who you liking that one? Yeah, how about that, man? That was uh, it's great to see that from Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker taking that job like at, overnight, man. It was just like a one of those sneaky hires where it's like, whoa, you left Colorado, but uh, <laughs> it's great, great to see that from Mel Tucker and um, great. Great win, great program-defining win for him. I think Michigan will uh, will cover though, and just think Harbaugh coming off of a loss. Say what you will about the guy, that program is proud. Um, they're up and down, they're a mess at times, but I did like uh, what I saw against them in their season opener, and I, I think they have the ability to put up a million points like they did in Week One for them for the Big Ten. So I'm going to say Michigan covers that one. So boss is rolling with the Hoosiers. It, it just seems, seems funny that we're even talking about Indiana on a football podcast, but this, this is where we are. It's 2020. Everything's upside down. Um, so this is this is like a coin flip for me. I, I bought into Michigan after week one because did, I love yeah. P.J. Fleck. Yeah, like I love Coach Fleck. I'm rowing the boat everywhere. I mean, he's fantastic. And I just thought, well, man, they must be real. They go on the road and really just dominated that Minnesota team. And then Coach Tucker comes back and not just covers a 24-and-a-half-point spread, but wins straight up. Like, I, I just was not expecting that. And it just makes you think, like, I mean, is Michigan ever going to get over this hump? But I don't know. It's Indiana, right? Like, I, I, I'm just going to – I think i got to roll with, with the traditional football powerhouse on this one. I'm going to go with Michigan purely on tradition. Uh, but I sure hope Indiana proves me wrong. Um, all right, this is – th- one of the matchups of the week. I think it would have been the matchup of the week, maybe, um, if Trevor Lawrence was healthy. But this is probably the most intriguing matchup of the week for sure now because Trevor Lawrence is out. Um, but Clemson is going on the road to South Bend to play the Golden Domers, and they are five-and-a-half-point favorites. Who are you liking that one? So I love Notre Dame's defense. Okay, I, I think this is a Notre Dame team. I know I'm just going to sound like a media just just going nuts over the Irish uh, like the media, sports media tends to do. But I'll tell you, I'm no longer full-time sports media guy. And I am objectively telling you this Notre Dame team has a great shot to make the college football playoff because of their defense. And you've got DJU filling in for Trevor Lawrence on the road at Notre Dame, man. It's tough. It, it really reminds me of that Georgia trip to Notre Dame a few years ago. And what does Clemson have? They've got a similar uh, rushing attack led by a senior running back that could be in the NFL. Does that sound familiar? They've, sure got, a really, they've got a really good defense themselves. And I know Georgia barely squeaked out that win, but I think this Clemson team's a little bit better than that Georgia team was. I think Clemson does cover that five and a half. Might be a really late cover, um, but I think the Tigers coming off of that challenge against Boston College, trailing by 18 points, you come back after trailing like that and end up winning pretty convincingly. That is a moment for this Clemson team that they may never look back from. So I'm going to take Clemson to cover um, over Notre Dame. I'm not saying it'll be easy, but I think they'll do it. Yeah, boss is taking Clemson too, and I think I'm riding that boat also. I mean, I guess you get a little bit of pause just because 
you know, they don't have the best player in college football playing for them on Saturday, but um, I just don't know if Notre Dame's got the offense to keep up with them. And I think Clemson's still going to score. And in all honesty, I think they were a little just discombobulated in that first half. And they always seem to have a weird game like that. And this one set them up that way as well. Cause you're looking forward to Notre Dame anyways, I think, but then you add in the fact that, that Trevor's out, and it's just a, a funky game. I thought they got in a really good rhythm in the second half, figured out how they wanted the offense to look with DJ because he's a different player than Trevor is. Big guy. I mean, that dude is a grown man. I mean, I didn't look like that when I was 18. I, I'm 36. I still don't look like that, brother. Like, he is a big boy and can fling it. And I don't know. It just gives him a lot of off uh, options on offense. And I think you you pair him up with Travis Etienne, and, man, they could be, they could be scary rushing the football. So – I'm with both of y'all. I'm, I'm going to take the Tigers in South Bend. Um, all right, this is kind of like a, a Boston Herschel pick. We, we've been picking Coastal Carolina every week because, again, we're all about a colored field, and Chanticleer is just an A-plus nickname, okay? I mean, we just pick them every week. So this is more about are the, are the chants going to cover because I think they are going to beat South Alabama. But South Alabama coming to Conway right outside of Myrtle Beach, and Coastal is favored by 16.5. You think they cover that number? I think they do, man. This this Shannon Clears team, I I go back to nine years ago with their coach in the we need more dogs speech. Oh yeah. And fantastic. And they've got all the dogs you could want, man. They are rolling. They deserve to be ranked, even if you know, I, I keep hearing people say you well, once every conference is back, you're gonna see Coastal Carolina kind of get edged out and edged out. But South Alabama, man, they They've gotten blown out already this season a couple times, um, or one time rather uh, against UAB. I, I just think Coastal is going to take care of them, man. Sixteen and a half, no doubt about it. Coastal is a wild machine, and they're going to keep rolling against the Jags this weekend. Boss is also taking the chance. I'm taking them. I- I'm going to tell you a couple things. Number one, I'm taking them the rest of the year. Because that post-game celebration, when they had WrestleMania essentially in the locker room, just dropping elbows off the top rope, I mean, I'm absolutely here for some culture like that. Number two, this is going to be my plea. you got to get Coach Bennett to come into Coffee Town Radio booth, brother. I mean, I, <laughs> I think he's built to be your play-by-play man. Just come and do some color with you. You just tee him up all night and just let him rip it. It'll be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, if he's got an off week, I might, I may need to make that happen. Oh, yeah. I think that has to happen. Um, all right. This is, this is the one pac 12 after dark is returning this week, Washington going to Berkeley to play Cal. This is like a coin flip Cal's favored by half a point. So who you like winning that one? Pac 12 after dark. I'm making this pick in the dark, man. I don't, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm going, I'm going Washington. Um, just because that's the first team I saw when I looked at this. So that's your insight from me this week. If you're making this bet, do not make it based off of my information. But for the record of this show, you heard it here first on the Saturday in Athens podcast. The Huskies will win and they will cover. I like it. Boss is taking Huskies too. Um, that's the kind of analytics we like, by the way. Just shooting from the hip. We're, that, that's all we do, brother. This is just this is straight from the gut. So uh, I'm taking the Huskies too, just because why not? Jacob Eason went there. 
I feel I feel good about them. He, he's got some dog in him. They're yeah. dogs. We're going we're going to stick with that. I'm just happy there's going to be football on at 10:30. It's been weird. All the games are done know, at 11. Dude. Like, I'm like, sitting there watching the, watch the highlights. I'm sitting there watching the <laughs> SEC Network recap show for like the third time in a row. I've already watched it and I'm just like, <laughs> okay, uh, I guess I'm going to sit here and watch this again and see how Alabama beat another team by 30 points. So I'm I am ecstatic. Can't wait to see some Pac-12 after dark. All right, we're going to get into the SEC slate now. The Commodores and Coach Mason are headed down to Starkville to see Coach Leach and the Cowbells. My grandmama, when I was little, used to call Mississippi Zip Zip. So we're going to say Vandy's going to Zip Zip State. So who you like here? You like the Commodores or you like the you like the Bulldogs? 18 and a half Mississippi State is getting in this one. 18 and a half sounds like a lot. And Coach Leach and his team getting shut out for the first time, first time Leach has been shut out ever. Okay. The Alabama defense is getting uh, scary good at, at like the perfect time as, as you would expect. Right. Um, look, Ole Miss just blew out Vandy. I know coach Mason has a lot of pride in that, in that defense, but it just isn't really showing up the way you are accustomed to. And, even though Mississippi State is having these opt-outs left and right, it just kind of you just kind of have that feel that Vandy is in tap-out mode. And um, I think a, a road game, Mississippi State wants to get right. Mike Leach is, you know, Vandy's smart, but Mike Leach is smarter when it comes to offenses. And I just I think he finds a way to continue this blowout train of the Commodores going. So I'm going to say Mississippi state covers. That seems like a big number, but I think the Bulldogs will do it. Boss is taking them as well. He's been on the Mike Leach bandwagon most of the year, even when the bandwagon caught on fire. He's just, he's just all about coach Leach. He, he's so disappointed. There was not a regular sec media days this year. So that coach Leach had his day with the media court. I think, I think we're all owed that. <laughs> So he's going with Mississippi State too. I'm going to take them also. I just, I mean, Vandy's like JV Division One football. So I, I feel bad for him because I like Coach Mason. He seems like a good dude. I, I root for him, but I, I just don't think they got the talent to keep up. I think Mississippi State's going to going to cover that spread. Um, okay, A and M. A lot of hype with A and M right now. They're getting a lot of juice ever since they beat Florida. They're going to Columbia to play South Carolina. And Texas A&M is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Who are you liking that one? I feel like I'm missing something here, man. Like, Texas A&M, to me, is the second-best team in the SEC at the moment. And I just – I feel like that's a little low. Like, I feel like it's it's just – it's a little low for, for the Aggies, man. I, I think they're rolling. I think they're a legitimate college football playoff contender. I'm going to say the Aggies cover, man. I, I know, uh, you know, Coach Muschamp's defense is – you know, they're they're stout and, and South Carolina tends to find a way most of their games to play above what people expect they'll be. But I mean, AM looks really scarily good. And uh I think they do cover that seven and a half. Yeah, boss likes them too, and I, I think I'm in that boat too. South Carolina just has been underwhelming all year. Uh and I think you got A&M with Kellen Mond, all that, all that experience and leadership at quarterback, Spiller at the running back position. I mean, they got some guys, and that defense seems to get better every week. I just don't think South Carolina's got the, the horses to hang with them. So I'm rolling with the Aggies too. 
Tennessee is going to play Pig Suey in Fayetteville. Uh, Coach Pittman going to try to keep the train rolling. They had a, a, a fantastic backdoor cover last week in their ball game. God bless them. And uh, Tennessee is favored in this game by one and a half. Who are you liking that one? I'm going, yes, sir. <laughs> I'm taking Pittman, man. I love the Hogs, and I love watching uh, Sam Pittman as a head coach. Just considering everything that went into this season, I remember when the SEC schedules were revealed and poor Arkansas and Missouri getting what seemed to be the toughest draws out of any teams in the SEC. And if not for a horrible lone call against Auburn, Arkansas is no doubt, you know, like, Pittman is no doubt the SEC coach of the year, and he still may end up being that. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm taking Arkansas to uh, to really take advantage of a Tennessee team that seems to be pretty lost right now. Yeah, Boss is going with Pig Suey as well, and so am I. I love the Coach Pittman story. I mean, how can you not root for that guy, right? Just just full of personality. Love that he's, that he's referencing the jukebox like once a week in the press conferences. And I've said this before, but I just feel like him and John Daly, I, I need that footage. I need the two of them on a golf course with as many adult beverages as possible. Uh, that's the kind of entertainment that I'm here for, and I need it to happen as quickly as possible. They're, but they're, I agree with you. Yeah, they're kindred spirits, man. And um, it's a funny story about, about Coach Pittman. I was covering the Masters last year, and it was Sunday, the, the Sunday that Tiger won. And I saw Sam Pittman and his wife. And and look, I was in the Georgia uh, media week after week. And you know how Kirby locks down his assistants. We're not allowed to talk to him. And I saw Sam Pittman. I said, hey, coach, great to meet you. Um, you know, I know we don't typically get to interview you, but, you know, you've obviously done a tremendous job with your job at Georgia. And, you know, I look forward to the next yes sir video that you put out because that meant that Georgia had just landed a massive offensive lineman recruit and he gave me some scoop. He was like, I think I'm making another one here next week. So he he he, <laughs> he tipped me off that they were getting a, a big commit. So Sam Pittman, great guy, great coach. What more could you want energy wise from an SEC head football coach? He's got him rolling. It's fun to watch and uh, can't wait to see what he does against the Vols this Saturday. Yes, too. Man, I agree with you. I think um, I think he's got as good a claim as anybody for SEC Coach of the Year. Because I don't think I, I think if you had put the screws to people, they would have told you Arkansas is not going to win a game all season in this SEC schedule. Zero and ten, and to do what he's done, I mean, fantastic. And to that same point, Barry Odom got to be in the running for the Broyles Award. I mean, what he's done with that defense, just fantastic. So. Great story. I love it. And, hey, man, it's just fun to say Woo Pig Suey. So he will I'm be a head coach again within the next two years. I mean, this is for the lack of respect that they got going in. That will help him. It's almost like leverage. Like, okay, no one expected us to be this good, and, and here we are. Look out for Barry Odom, man. He's, he's going he's gonna to get one of these spots that opens up inevitably. All right. This is the big one. It's It's – it probably is my favorite week all year. World's largest outdoor cocktail party, Jacksonville, Florida. Gators, dogs. Dogs are favored by four and a half. Before I get your pick, got to ask you this. This is what we usually ask our, our interview guests in, in Sweet 16 when we do a formal interview. But world's largest outdoor cocktail party, what's the cocktail that you're mixing for the game? 
Uh, I'm going with the traditional cocktail I have at the first quarter of each Georgia game. I didn't do it this past week because noon was a little aggressive, but it's uh, <laughs> just uh, brown liquor and a couple drops <laughs> drops of water, man. That's all. I, that's all I roll with. So that's good. That's good. Ain't nothing wrong with that. What, what's what's the brown water of choice you're using? Uh, right now we've got Jefferson's Reserve and. I typically don't drink on weekdays. I try to stay a little, little disciplined and just kind of keep my head clear during the week. So I should have a little bit left by Saturday. But if uh, for some reason that is empty by Saturday, we've got some Basil Hayden on reserve. So we'll see. We'll see what ends up getting trotted out on Saturday afternoon. <laughs> oh, you're ready, brother. Well, who are you liking this one? I think that if you get this at four and a half um, – I don't think Georgia covers, um, but I do think Georgia will win the game. So I think, you know, you could probably expect that to drop as the week goes on, especially with these Georgia injuries and uh, with the Georgia quarterback situation being what it is. And look, man, I think you made a great point about the ten, uh, about the Kentucky game, rather. Georgia wanted to get in <clears throat> get out with the win. But I think from a fan's perspective, what do you want to see after – watching what LSU did to you last year and watching what Alabama has done to you this year, the defense wins championships uh, belief. You know, I'm not quite ready to say that it isn't true anymore, but you've got to have a really good offense too. If you're a really good offense and you don't have a really good defense, then good defenses will beat you. But Georgia fans want to see that their team has the capability to win in a shootout. And with this Kentucky game, you didn't put tape to prove that you can do that. And I think if Georgia has to get in a shootout with Florida this weekend, if that's if that's the way it goes, you can't keep Florida off the field. You know, you can't run the ball successfully. You know, I I really have a hard time seeing how Georgia wins the game. But right now, I think Georgia's run game is getting better. Zamir White had the best game of his career um and that's what george is going to have to do to win this game every time you run for more yards than the opponent in jacksonville you win and uh i think if georgia does win the game they will have done that and that's why i like their chances i, I still think they have a great shot to get that done and the defense still has an edge um over over this florida offense as crazy as that sounds i think georgia has the dudes to play a four-quarter game if they do play the four-quarter game they haven't really done that well this year but but we've seen georgia as you mentioned earlier in the show put things together in jacksonville at the perfect moment and whether it's you know third and grantheming florida to death or getting a pass rush pressure on trask you know georgia's got to have one of those games where for four quarters might not be pretty, might not be comfortable, but I think they win. I think at four and a half right now, though, I don't think they cover. Boss texted me his picks, and this is what he said about the the dogs Gators game. I hate myself, but Florida. <laughs> <laughs> so he is begrudging. I don't blame he is him. Begrudgingly picking Florida to at least cover that number. I don't think he's picking Florida to win. Although he might be. He was he was not optimistic when I when I talked to him earlier. Um. So there's a running theme on the show. I'm, I'm about as, as big a dog's optimist as there is on the planet, which is 
beyond belief with all the heartache that I've gone through with them, but I'm going to stay optimistic. And I don't know, man, I just feel like we are a bad matchup for Florida. I think the things Florida does well on offense are the things that set us up to do what we do well on defense. And look, man, they don't run the football. Najee Harris is not walking through those doors. So they don't scare me like Alabama does. I also don't think they get as vertical as Alabama does. They don't have, you know, like Kadarius Tony's he's lightning, man. But I just don't think they got guys like Jalen Watt or like Devontae Smith or like they just – Alabama had so many vertical threats. They're going to go get the football and just take it away. And they made so many plays on 50-50 balls. I don't know. I still like Georgia's defense, even banged up. I don't think Florida is going to run the football, and their inability to run the football has been shown throughout this series, especially with Coach Mullen as the head coach. They just they can't do it, man. And um, Stetson's got to make some plays, though. That's the caveat to this. He's such a wild card for me right now because he looks on some throws. Like that throw to Darnell Washington last week, Dropped great it in. throw. Uh, I mean, it was a beautiful throw into coverage. He drops a dime on the James Cook on the wheel route again last week. And if they're able to do that and be vertical, the thing he has got to get back to, which he did so well against Auburn and so well against Tennessee, he's got to find the middle of the field again, man. I don't know if he's in his own dome because of the stuff with Alabama batting the passes down, but don't you feel like since the Tennessee game, we have not worked between the hedges, I mean, between the hashes at all? on on offense i just i don't know where it's gone it's like he's not looking there anymore he missed jermaine burton on a drag two weeks in a row he had kendall milton underneath last week and throws the ball to uh to the one that got intercepted i mean i just i don't know he something's going on with him and he's got to figure it out and cut it loose because if he doesn't then they're gonna look like they did saturday i mean he's just got to let it rip and uh yeah we'll see i, I don't know but I'm always going to roll with the dogs, and especially against the the hated Gators. I just, oh, God, I can't stand those guys. Actually, I'm going to be in Jacksonville Saturday for the game. My brother has twisted my arm, and I'm driving down and meeting him. That's going to be my first football experience in the COVID world, so we're going to see how that goes. (laughs) Um, My brother went to Tuscaloosa for the Bama game and said that was interesting. Uh, Said the atmosphere was still great there. But, um, yeah, we're going to see. So hopefully the dogs don't have me a long, sad drive home on Sunday morning. (laughs) Well, look, man, we appreciate you coming on, Wes. It's great talking dogs with you. We love uh, consuming all your stuff on social. Um, I I mean, I just got to tell you, brother, that Matthew McConaughey candy corn thesis was was A+. My wife is is neither here nor there about football or anything like that, but she was laughing out loud when we played it for her. So it's good work, brother. To everybody give Wes a follow, uh, not just supporting – um, great dude with great content, but also supporting a damn good dog. So thanks for hanging out with us, Wes. Uh, keep doing everything you're doing on Shock and Ship, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon, brother. Go dogs. Hey, George is better now.